We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next question is from Call Me Ty. Said, I'm okay with the Bodie Cahoon commitments. All I wanted from Notre Dame linebacker recruiting was more tall, long guys that want to hit, bigger versions of Drew White and JD Bertrand. Do you think we are getting that this year? I, I think they're, Call Me Ty, like the one thing that you can't question about the linebacker recruiting in 2024, and I, again, there are questions that you can arise, but the one question that you can't, is that Notre Dame's targeting a lot of length and athleticism at linebacker in 2024. I mean, everybody on the board, you're like, that guy is tall, long, and can run a little bit. Like, every single one. I mean, so yeah. I mean, for, yes, Notre Dame is definitely upgrading the length and the athleticism components of playing on the second level. There's no doubt. Will they all develop and hit their ceilings? That's the major question mark, right? But that's why I fought back against the Bodie Cahoon, Drew White, and J.D. Bertrand comparisons in general. He is two to three inches taller than both those guys. He is probably two to three inches longer than both those guys, if not more. And he runs probably a tenth of a second faster in the 40 than both of those kids. And he's nowhere close to where they were in development as a football player. Look, I don't know how Drew White turned into some like borderline walk-on at Notre Dame. But that guy had offers from a ton of SEC schools and was a starting middle linebacker at St. Thomas Aquinas. So, I mean, he wasn't some bum that no, was lucky to be on a scholarship in Notre Dame. And and so, you know, I, they were – him and J.D. Bertrand is also – J.D. Bertrand was a, was committed to Georgia at one point in time. Now, they backed off that, that offer, but at one point in time, they thought enough of him to offer him a scholarship, and it wasn't that – that he wasn't good or got worse. It's just that they started to get to that point where they were just really starting to load up on some big time guys. But let me, let me read to you drew white's offer list, Arkansas, Illinois, Iowa state, LSU, Michigan, Missouri, Ohio state, Syracuse, Wisconsin, West Virginia, and Florida are among the schools that offer drew white scholarship coming out of high school. So to some people who say offer lists are all that matters. Well, you know, it's a pretty good offer list. Or were it's they really committed or not? Well, they thought enough of them to offer him a scholarship at some point in time. 
So he's not some bum. He's, he wasn't like a, a just a slightly better version of Joe Schmidt. And I just – to me, there's nothing about Bodie Cahoon that reminds me of either one of those two guys, even a longer version of them, because yeah. he's a raw kid that's tall, long, and can run. They were shorter, stockier, excellent high school football players. Bodie is more of an excellent prospect that's still learning the position. They were – really, really good high school football players that just lacked some of the, the measurables to, to translate that to the next level. But Drew White was a three-year starter at Notre Dame on teams that went, what, 11-2, and 10-2 and two and made the playoff, and 11-2? and two? That's what Drew White started on in his career. And J.D. Bertrand's going to be a three-year starter at Notre Dame as well, so – We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get to uh, some more questions here. Maurice Grant said, I'm confused how this isn't settling. There are so there are many other backers the staff would take no matter how you slice it. They are taking a kid they like for sure, but also they feel they can get. I, I don't think that uh, – look, Maurice, I, I don't know if you and I would necessarily disagree a ton on evaluation of Bodie Cahoon in certain areas. I just my, – my whole thing is I just think that – we're projecting a lot of us are projecting our opinion of Bodie onto the Notre Dame coaching staff and assuming that because we feel a certain way about Bodie and I'm speaking for everybody that kind of is holding this view just to, to for argument's sake that that must mean the staff feels that way but they're going to take him anyway because of whatever 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 what I'm telling you is you can disagree with their evaluation of Bodie Cahoon I'm simply telling you that this is not how they view him they don't view him as a guy that they're just taking because they can get. They had to out-recruit Tennessee, some other programs for him. Miami just recently offered him, trying to get into the mix. And, and so my, my point is simply we can have a conversation about 
Bodie Cahoon, should he be in a guy you take this early, things like that. But they're, they're not settling, and they don't have a whole lot of backers on the board ranked higher than him. I mean, yeah, if they thought they had a shot at Sammy Brown, they, they might have waited a little bit for him or Teddy Rezac, maybe. But it, it's you're not in that game. And so you have to be a realistic about who you're going to get. But it's also there's also the era of, well, I'm getting this kid because we know we can get him, even though he's not a, a Notre Dame guy. And honestly, we've seen Notre Dame do that before, including this staff, to be honest with you. They're, they're not perfect or infallible. Yeah. I'm simply saying that that this is not the motivation behind that commitment. They genuinely think very highly of Bodie Cahoon. And we can have that conversation. They should, but they definitely – they definitely think very highly of him. There's no doubt about it. Yep. They were always pushing for Bodie. It's mm-hmm. just kind of the end all be all. So it's not right. settling if you just are kind of out of options. Right. You're like, oh, I got to do this now. Like, doesn't mean we're saying they're right or yeah. that you can't question it. Not saying that at all. I'm just saying at least we should understand what the, the motivations were for it. Yeah. From Irish Gordian Knott says, was Bodie Cahoon uh, Al Golden's guy, or is he a guy the staff is all behind? How involved was Max Bulla in recruiting Bodie Cahoon? I would encourage you, uh, Irish Gordian Knott, to read Ryan's article on the front page. Actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to put it into the chat now, Ryan. I'm going to put the whole yep. package article that you uh, wrote today with Bodie sure. into the chat there so you guys can see it. But you know, the thing that Ryan was saying earlier, and the reason I encourage you to read this is because every time he talked about the staff, he talked about, everybody that could potentially be involved the head coach the d coordinator the linebackers coach which is max bulla and the director of recruiting chad bowden they were all involved in this and i will say this again we can we can question the evaluation if you want totally fair totally fine but there was nobody on the staff that had any any question at all about is bodie kahuna guy we want or not none now we'll find out if the entire staff was right or wrong about it, but this was not like, and, and again, I'll tell you, that's not true of other players on the board at linebacker and at other positions where it's not everybody's on board with taking that guy. Yeah. This guy, however, is one that everybody's on board with. And there's some kids that you'll take, and this is true of football, and, and you want this, Ryan, happens in the NFL draft too. Not everybody was sold on that kid, but that one scout or that one coach that we love and respect was willing to put his reputation online for that guy. Yeah. There's kids in this class that there are coaches on the staff that did that for. Pounding the table, guys. That's right. right. Yeah. I believe, yeah. And that's what happened with Anthony Knapp and Joe Rudolph. Now, we're going to find out if Joe Rudolph was right or wrong about that, but he was. He had an ultimate belief that Anthony Knapp is a Notre Dame caliber player. And we'll find out if he's right or wrong. But that was not a, a reach from the standpoint of, in his mind, is he reaching? It may end up being a reach in, in practicality. But Bodie Cahoon is one of those guys that was a no-brainer for this staff once they got involved with him. He's a 4.0-plus student. The athleticism checked out. Once they got a chance to size him up in person and saw he's 6'3", long, it was a no-brainer for them. Obviously not for everybody in the chat today, but for them, it was a no, it was a no-brainer. So it's a little bit of a different deal. Here, here's a question too, Ryan, that um, – Five Burkhart voices isn't Bodie more like Zinter? I would argue he's more like Drake Bowen. If yeah. you're going to compare him to one of the linebackers from last year, Drake Bowen's the comparison. Raw, two sport guy, pretty athletic, but not a natural football player. I think Drake Bowen. Now he's not as good as Drake, sure. in my opinion, but as far as style, background, things like that, he's more similar to Drake than he is Preston Zinter. 
explosive downhill type of kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can get yeah. there. I get there. Because Drake also had experience playing in space a little bit mm-hmm. more early on in his Andrean career, which is slight parallel to obviously Bodie playing safety right. when he was a sophomore in high school. So I think right. there are some qualities there. And then also you saw Bodie on the line of scrimmage a little bit as well. You would see Drake Bowen on the line of scrimmage rushing the passer a lot too. You would see that with Preston Zinter as well, but I just think Preston's a little bit of a different athlete too. Right. I agree, Ryan. I agree with you completely. Got a super chat from uh, Nathan Milton. I'll go ahead and ask this one for you, Ryan, so you can answer it. Is there any chance Notre Dame takes two tight ends in this class? As of right now, Nathan, I, I don't think so, but I think it can change. Like, I do think it can change. If, do you if, think uh, that's because they don't get Carter Nelson? Is that your is that your thought on that, Ryan? Because I, I just think that they're a little – I mean, I think that they would have a good chance with Carter Nelson. I just don't know if they find it a necessity to get to two tight ends in the class. It's more about if the stars aligned, if that makes sense. I, I would not be shocked – if they decided to take a second tight end over a fourth receiver, if it's Carter Nelson. I I mean, I'd be completely open yeah. with that. Everybody knows yeah. I would. <laughs> I, I think that they would only take a second tight end if it's Carter Nelson. I, that's what would, I think. And I think that they would be very smart for that fact. Yeah, so. agree. <laughs> I don't think the staff viewed Jaden Riddell the way that fans do. I don't think the staff viewed Jaden Riddell as a no-brainer, difference-maker, top 50 yeah. recruit like some fans do which is why they weren't willing to take him as a second tight end. And there are some other reasons why they backed off of him as well, but they would only take a second tight end if one kid wants to commit and that's Carter Nelson. That's it. So to Ryan's point, like, you know, we'll see how that plays out and what the chances are for that, but they're not necessarily, it's, it's one of those things where we don't need a second tight end, but that kid might be too good to pass up plus for it. Yeah, he brings some pass catching uniqueness because he is fast and you can line him up out wide. He's he's more Tyler Eifert than he is Michael Mayer. Yes, as a, as how you you would use him at the next level, right? Not body type wise because Michael was I mean Tyler was massive and I don't see Tyler, Carter Nelson getting to be six six two sixty like like Tyler Eifert was when it was all said and done. But how you use him in the offense would be very similar. Scott Gibbs of the Super Chat said, "Love the show, Scott. Thank you." Very, very much, my friend. Thank you very, very much. Next question is from David Lowe. Said, when recruiting, why not shoot for the stars on the top guys? And if you don't land them, then go for kids like this. Again, you're working with the wrong assumption that that you are the arbiter of what is a top guy or not, or that rivals or 247 are the arbiters of what is a top guy or not. Okay? What I'm telling you is this, David. We don't know if Notre Dame is right or wrong on this. I'm not arguing that they're right or wrong on this. What I'm telling you is stop asking questions like this because I'm telling you that they view him as a top guy. They view him as a top guy. I don't know if they're going to be right about that, Ryan. Neither one of us do. You like him more than I do. We both view him as a few four-star better, but neither of us are sitting at the table saying, you guys are going to look so stupid in three years for questioning Bodie Coon. We are not saying that at all, at all. But what I am saying is, if you ask me why not shoot for the stars on the top guys, and I'm going to tell you they are in their opinion. They view Bodie Cahoon as exactly what you're saying they should recruit. What you're upset about is that they're not going off of what rivals in 247 say. That's literally your beef, David. You think Notre Dame should evaluate and recruit based off what 
rivals and 247 and on three think about recruits. That's the reality because your mood and your reaction to every single kid they're after is based on what a star ranking is, yours in particular. And, that, and I'm okay with you feeling that way about rankings. That's fine. But I think the error, however, David, is sometimes the Notre Dame coaching staff won't view it the same way that 247 arrivals and all three do. They do view Justin Scott the same way that those outlets do, right? They do. They view some guys better. Some guys, they don't view as high as the services do. I'm simply telling you, if I were to sit here and say, Teddy Rizak, they viewed as a star. They view him as, I'd be lying to you. Because if they thought that, they wouldn't have waited till May to offer him, Right? They knew about him. for Ryan, you did the interview with this coach. It was a great interview, by the way, Ryan. Very well done, if you haven't read that yet. But it's very clear. They've known about Teddy for a long time. Yeah, They wanted to continue to evaluate and then decided this is a guy that we want. I'd be lying to you if I said, no, 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 they viewed him as a top player. Always. I'd be lying to you. But I'm not lying to you when I say that's how they feel about Bodie Cahoon. If Bodie Cahoon would have com- wanted to commit to Notre Dame the day after they offered him, they'd have taken his commitment with everybody else on the board, they view him as a top guy. You may not. That's fair. I'm not telling you you have to. I'm not telling you you need to agree with them. 247 doesn't. On three doesn't. And Rivals doesn't. Because Rivals has him as a four-star, right? But not in their top 250. Right. I'm just telling you Notre Dame views him as this type of player. We'll find out if they're right or wrong. But I think too many of you are allowing recruiting rankings to determine – not ever like I don't think Brandon Plesner does gives a rip about recruiting rankings. He's trusting his own evaluation. Now yeah. he and I disagree on a lot of guys in this class. Totally fair, but I know that Brandon's breaking down the film. I do know he that is. he he was There's no he was, question he was high on Darian Mayo early when he was yes. still a three star commitment yes. guy. So, so yeah, Brandon I'm definitely cool watches with Brandon not liking this because I at least know that's his honest opinion. Yeah, but when you're making your evaluation simply based off of recruiting rankings and offer lists. And I say, okay, that's fine. I'm okay with you evaluating that. I'm just, don't project that onto the thinking the Notre Dame coaching staff agrees with you. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And in this instance, they definitely do not. This is definitely a guy, Ryan, that they view as a top player. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean, soon from, day right one, well. from day yeah. one, they felt that. So that's right. yeah, it's been consistent. All right, here we go. Here's one, Ryan. I'm going to ask this for you. It says, uh, Mark Brown asks, where do you see Cajon's, Cajun's growth? His frame looks like he could hit 240 or more to me. Hard to know if he keeps his athleticism at that weight, though. Well, I think it's a great sign, Mark, that he has maintained and even improved the speed, in his opinion, this offseason, despite gaining a decent amount of weight. He's up to about, I think, 219 was what he was at at one of his visits to Notre Dame this offseason. So he's right around 220. I agree with you. I think that he's going to be 235 plus pretty, you know, probably a couple years into his career. I think that he can carry that weight pretty easily. The biggest growth I think that you're going to see from him is I think that the biggest part of his game that I think needs to improve outside of just playing with a little bit better base and and bend is that I think that he just needs to improve his power profile, man. I think he needs to get a little stronger. Upper body needs to add a little bit of strength. So I think it's just the filling out of the body, man. Like that's the biggest thing from a physical perspective. That's the biggest growth for me is that he comes to balance as a tackler, but he just doesn't have a lot of pop behind his pads right now. Just because I think he lacks a little bit of lower body and upper body strength. And then the ability to play through contact, obviously stack and shed at the point of attack, get off of blocks. I just think that really it's his, it's his ability to add, 
good weights, not just yeah. add weights, add power yeah. to his frame. Because if his frame allows him to get to 240, then he'll have no problem keeping the athleticism. I want to I want to stress something else too. Part of the power profile comes from the other sport he plays. Because lacrosse is a sport where you need strong upper body, but it's an endurance sport. It's a it's a it's more basketball than it is baseball and football from from an endurance conditioning standpoint, because you're always moving. Yeah. There's no stopping in between each play. Football is five, three to five seconds of hard play, and then you chill for 30 seconds. And then you yeah. do it again, and then you take a time. Lacrosse is literally nonstop. It's like soccer, I guess, is probably a better way to put it. It's it's more soccer from a conditioning standpoint than it is football. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Because it's it's again, you have however long a quarter is or whatever it is, but it's just nonstop. There's no timeouts there like you have in football and baseball and even to a degree basketball with like foul shooting and stuff like that it is just non-stop running and so it requires a different type of conditioning strength conditioning for that sport than it does for football so once he starts focusing on football and the strength conditioning that goes along with football i think you're going to see that power profile check out because i think he's got a a pretty good lower half and i think it's also going to be impacted by his by his uh, his technique, for example, if Ryan, if I was to walk up to you and you have your 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 base like this, and just be standing there on all fours, just you know balanced, and I pushed you, you'd fall back, sure. right? Yep. But if I walked up to you and you had a nice base, you were on the balls of your feet, and you were ready, and then I pushed you, I'd meet a lot more resistance, and I wouldn't be able to push you back as easily with the same amount of force, right? So your base, your technique, the 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 leverage in which you attack a ball player is going to impact the power in which that you arrive at the football, even though you may have the natural power to be more effective in that situation. So that's why we emphasize things like technique and playing lower and stuff like that, because you'll see an offensive lineman that one snap comes off and drills a guy. And then the next step gets put on skates. Well, did he get, did the other guy get stronger than him on that play? No, his tech, he lost the technique battle. He lost the leverage battle. And I think that more than anything, uh, is why we don't see as much power from Bodie, but then you add in the, the lacrosse aspect to it, and that is something that if he is going to play both sports at the next level is a little bit concerning for me, to be completely honest with you, is will he be able to develop the lower body power explosive as needed if he's also playing lacrosse in the offseason? That's a little bit of a question for me. And I think that's why we've seen Nolan Ziegler blow up so much since he got to college. Stop playing lacrosse. And so now it's all about power, all about explosiveness. And you're seeing that kid fill out like that. I mean, he went from 205 to 230 in one offseason and filled out, and he's powerful. And he's even more explosive now than he was before. And I think that's a, a similar situation to, to, to Bodie. But if Bodie's going to get to 240 as well, Ryan, I think it's going to need take time. I think yes. it'll take a couple of years probably for him to get to that point in time if he's going to get there. Agree. Next question is from Brandon Pledsner says, who is the next Rover in line behind Kaiser? I feel that Rover was arguably the most important linebacker spot in the 2024 class. And they landed a kid that's going to need time. Who can be the next guy there? Well, uh, right now it's Jalen Sneed. It's part of that. And Jaden Osbury played Rover this spring. The other thing too, Ryan is here's, it's a lot like what I was saying earlier about like the slot and 11 and stuff like that. Sometimes it's it's no linebacker. It's Thomas Harper. Yeah, Nichols, it's, yeah. It's Ryan Barnes. It's it's Clarence Lewis. It's maybe Antonio Carter. It's a DB. That's the next guy there. So you don't need the same like and the point is when you're evaluating your roster, you don't I don't need the same depth at Rover from a body standpoint that I need at Mike or Will. 
because I can play, I can go an entire game and never use my Rover ever. And like, if Notre Dame didn't play their Rover for a single snap against Ohio state, I wouldn't be like, well, what are you guys doing? And USC might even be a better example for that. Uh, NC state's probably going to be a good example for that this year. If Robert and I does there, what he's done everywhere else, right? Would you say that's fair, Ryan? Yeah. But then there's going to be other games where you need it. So that, that's a factor too. So if that's true, I don't need four rovers. Uh, but right now, the three guys that I think would play rover if the need was there is Jack Kaiser, Jalen Sneed, who is a rover and a will, and Jaden Osbury, who right now is more of a more of a rover. That's where I'm at with those guys. Yeah, yep. And I mean, again, Brandon, I, I think that that is going to because to your point, I mean, Teddy Rizak's not ready to play in 2024, right? But you have. Mm-hmm. Jay Nosbury, you have Jalen Sneed, the guys that can buy that development a little bit of time over the next couple of years, which I think could be big time, obviously, for mm-hmm. Rezac's development. So let's hope that they're able to pan out because I, I do think that there is, I mean, Brandon, it's certainly questionable, right, as far as like the future of the rover position because, you know, does Jalen Sneed or Jaden Osbury, do they grow out of the rover position at some point too? I right. mean, there's always questions there. So right. it's reasonable. Yep. And as you as you mentioned, obviously, they landed a rover in this class. He may need time, but he's going to have time. Yes. Because the two guys we mentioned behind Jack Kaiser are guys with four years of eligibility remaining. I don't expect Jalen Snead to be a five-year player, but he's a, you know, could potentially certainly be a two or three years more. Sure. And Jaden Osbury is probably a four-year guy as well, in my view. Next question is from Irishman7114. Do you think Rezac or, uh, or Cahoon. Cahoon can play at another position. I like Cahoon, but I'd rather have um, – my mind is Kingston, Viamo Asa, and Chris Cole. If we're only taking three, I don't want to push out KVA or Cole. Well, first of all, they're never going to push out Kingston. I mean, he's the top guy on their board. But I understand where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, you have to embrace the fact that the Notre Dame coaching staff doesn't see it your way. They They know about both of those kids – they chose Bodie Cahoon as a guy that they liked more. And they're willing to say no to those kids um, to take him. So say what you want. I mean, we can debate if they should have done that, but they view it that way. So can they play another position? Maybe. I could. I mean, anytime you have a six foot three, 220 pound linebacker that can run, there's a chance he could end up being a Viper. Sure. Right. I mean, Preston Zinner, Josh Burnham. I mean, all those guys can potentially be that. I don't think they're recruiting him to potentially do that. Where that was always something that was a a chance with Josh Burnham. It was always a chance. And then, of course, he gets to senior year, he gets a lot bigger, and you know it's it's a good chance it's going to come at some point in time. Or could come. I don't think that's how they're recruiting these guys. Rezac could only... His other positions are at linebacker, Rover, Will, yeah. potentially, but he's not he's, a guy. He's not going to get big enough to play Viper. No, no, no way. No way. The only way he'd be a Viper, Ryan, is if like in a nickel package is just like, you know, he's a 225-pound edge rusher. NASCAR, you know, you're just, baby. You're just going to blitz him, right? You're going like yeah. dime, nickel. You're just going to blitz him off the edge. I, I mean, but that's more of a linebacker type of thing than yep. anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's how that. That's how that goes. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John Climax said, in a year where there isn't high-level depth, how do you recruit? Project players with high ceilings or high floors? I would, I, John, I mean, I, I, again, I, I think that this is, this is a situation where I have to be real with myself about the development of my coaching staff, right? Do I have confidence in development? If I do, and most coaches should, I think that you lean towards high floors, but I do think that there is not a one-size-fits-all and absolute here. You have to have a balance of trying to find those ceilings and those floors. But in a situation where there might be a scarcity of depth of impact talent, I do think that leaning towards the upside is a pretty wise decision at times. As long as you are confident that your team can develop and if they can, then I think that you are going to hit more often than you miss. But I just think that there's a competitive balance between the floor and the ceiling. But I always tend to go to the ceiling personally. Just me, though. And there are certain positions, Ryan, where I'm okay with you always going with the ceiling. Yep. And there are usually positions where athleticism is more important and where technique is easier to coach, right? And it's skill positions, corner, receiver, running back. When it comes to putting lines, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Ryan. When it comes to putting lines together, I think you even more so need to make sure that you're getting a good amount of floor focus as well. Like, if you give me three raw receivers that are really tall, long, fast, and at least they know how to catch, I'm, 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 man, I'm, oh man, I'm, I'm excited as a receivers coach, as a corners coach. You give me a bunch of guys like that at D line, and I'm like, eh, I'm not sure how I feel about this because there's just so much more than just being athletic involved to it. Same with offensive tackle. Like, yeah, you give me this really athletic kid, he has no clue how to get into a stance. You know how much work I have to do on this? You know what I mean? So, offensive line, it requires a lot more than that. I, you know, so it also depends on the position. Yeah, it, to me too, and where some position strength is more important. Sometimes that's where a floor comes from, and and that's kind of that's kind of where I'm coming from on, on that one, right? Right. We got a couple more Notre Dame recruiting questions, and then I know you got to run. Then I got three more sort of non-recruiting questions that we'll, we'll get to. Uh, so we'll, we'll go there. Ray Holcraft says uh, on the offensive side of the ball, outside of OT Gearby Lambert, who is an absolute must get for me there's only one other must get for me outside of gearby lambert but i want to hear your thoughts first ryan i I don't think i don't i wouldn't say there's a must get outside of it ray i know who brian's gonna say and i completely understand why he's going there i just think that you need a quality running back to go along with aeneas williams i'm not necessarily on the boat that like you need a 100 percent of a difference maker like i would be good with a couple of the guys that are on the board at running back honestly but that's what i'm talking about ryan that's what i would say a second back was going to be my must get it oh, wasn't well, necessarily going to be Keydrian. You give me Anthony yeah. Carey or Xavier Robinson, I'm 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 good. Yeah. So I, I get you were thinking I was going to go Keydrian Young. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's my top running back. There's no question. He's my yeah. top running back. But if Notre Dame gets Anthony Carey to go with Aeneas Williams, <laughs> call me call me excited. I mean, I, yes. I'm, right. And and that's what I like. I have my guys I like, but it's about adding quality talent to your roster. And Anthony Carey is a really good football player. Xavier Robinson would probably be a little bit more of a uh, we'll see. 
kind of guy for me just compared to those other two. But I'm in the thing of Kedron's my top guy, but it's like picking between Audric Estime and Logan Diggs. Those are two really good football players. Yeah. Give me one of those and I'm, and I'm good to go. My thing, Ryan, was going to be, I think they need a second back. An absolute, a good starting caliber second back is a must in this class. That's fair. I just don't think it has, like to me, the gap between Anthony Carey and Kedron Young is not as wide as Gerby Lambert and whoever the next offensive tackle is. Yeah. Yeah, Gerby Lambert's a must. I mean, Ray, in this class, like you, you have to land Gerby Lambert or else the offensive right. line group gets a little, uh, yeah. it's a little shaky, man. It's a little hairy. So but would you agree though, that a second, a good second back is a must though, Ryan? Yeah. Based on numbers, yeah. especially yeah. if we're assuming if Audric doesn't leave, then they're good. Yes. If Audric comes back for senior year, then they're good. It's this is also partly me projecting that. I just think he's going to go pro. Cause I think he's going to have a really big year. It's fair. So let me ask uh, let me ask this one, Ryan. Since while you're um, while you're still with us, I think this is an interesting question here. Uh, Eric Santini says, uh, "My thoughts on Jaden Davis, or thoughts on Jaden Davis not getting an Elite Eleven Finals invite, and how Michigan writers said they would still take JD over Carr." First of all, of course, Michigan writers are going to say that. What, what are they going to say? Like, there's no way they're not going to say that. But that's one of the biggest Homer groups of reporters out there. Uh, but. Um, I'm not surprised, Ryan, he didn't get an Elite 11 invite. What are your thoughts? Because Aaron Nolan got it. I'm not shocked at all. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I thought he would, personally. I thought he would. I don't I don't know. Like, he's he's got the notoriety to him. He's mm-hmm. committed to the University of Michigan. Like, I, I thought mm-hmm. that he would, personally. But, I mean, I'm not, like, heartbroken over it. I think he's a little bit overrated. But, you know. I think he's a lot overrated. I don't think he's a yeah. top 100 player. I also, in fairness, don't think this is the kind of setting where you're going to get the best of Jaden Davis. That's fair. Part of what makes Jaden Davis a good football player is the fact that he he's a pretty good athlete. He can run around. Aaron Nolan is a drop-back quarterback. That's all he does, right? He means a decent athlete, but Aaron Nolan is a passing quarterback. Yeah. Jaden Davis is more of a dual-threat guy, and those dual-threat guys don't always look great in these type of settings, sure. right? And so that's another reason I'm not surprised he didn't get it. I, I get where you're coming from with a ranking standpoint, but I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's a top-100 player, and I don't think this is the ideal setting for him to show out. Now you go in an 11 and 11 game, then Jaden Davis is going to look better than he is in a, a routes on air pinpoint precision passing type of situation. He's just, he's not going to look as good. And then the last question for you, Ryan, before, uh, before you get out of here, uh, Tommy guns, he said, so Brian, which recruits would you put your mortgage on the line for currently uncommitted only? So I'm going to ask you, Ryan, to answer that question first. The comment I made was I'm not putting my mortgage on the line to say that they're going to get, I think at the time, who did I say? Um, Davis Andrews. I think Davis Andrews, right? Is yeah. there anybody right now that if you had to put your mortgage on the line, I, you had to, you can't say, no, I'm not betting my mortgage on anything, which in real life, I would never bet my mortgage on anything. But in this situation, who are the guys right now that you say, if I had to put my mortgage on the line, that guy's going to end up in this other end class? I mean, if, if Notre Dame goes to four wide receivers, I would put my mortgage on Jason Robinson Jr. being in the class if they push for him, like 100%. I think that he would want to be in the class if they go to four wide receivers so that would be one i actually feel pretty confident about gerby lambert all of a sudden just because he's the only the only official visit that he set up so far is to notre dame so obviously there is some clear interest there so i would say gerby lambert's one that i'm pretty confident in i think jason robinson is one that i would be extremely confident in if you guarantee me that they would go to four four wide receivers otherwise trying to i mean i'm not none of the safeties right what's that 
I mean, do you do you disagree with me or agree with me? Because you would know better than me because you talked to the kid. Yeah. Uh, but do you disagree with my take on uh, on Davis Andrews, or are you a little bit more confident? I, I, I think I think they're a clear leader, but I'm not ready to bet a mortgage on it. Like I I think they're a clear leader, though I do. But yeah, I wouldn't bet mortgage on it because that's a it's a pretty big thing, you know. It's a pretty big thing. Yeah, I, I'd say Gearby. I don't have a problem with. I'm good with you on that one. Yeah, that's really the only one right now that I'm like, yeah, they're definitely going to get that. Uh, Logan Thomas. That's another one. I'd be willing to put my mortgage in the line that they're going to get. They're going to get uh, Logan Thomas. That'd be one. That'd be yeah. one. All right, Ryan, I know you got to run. So I'm going to finish these out because there's some interesting ones here. Uh, Archer452 says the Florida State AD came out publicly criticizing the ACC's media deal, talking about $30 million uh, gap year and lamenting that UCF has a better deal in the Big 12. Is this the first move in FSU realigning? Well, look, the reality is, is FSU just can't choose to realign. They have to find a legal way to get out of that contract. What's going to be very interesting with this whole thing is twofold. Number one is you're already seeing other schools align with them. Clemson said certain things. Miami said certain things. You're going to get some of the Carolinas. I know somebody uh, in the chat sent me a text about, I think it's like Carolina, UNC, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Mike Miami, um, NC State. Florida State and I think somebody else are already kind of meeting with lawyers trying to get out of it. The, at the end of the day, the reality is they have to find a way to get out of it. And I don't know how they're going to get out of that deal. I mean, just because the deal's not as good for you now as it was, that that I don't know if that's a legal basis to get out of that deal. So I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if they can do that. The other thing that I'm very curious about is if if the ACC really wants to fight this, I'm very curious. If they're going to start, because you got to be careful. I personally believe that there are some some ESPN people, whether directly or indirectly, that are trying to get the ACC to break up. If you look at Disney as a company, they're struggling. They're losing billions of dollars. ESPN has been hemorrhaging money for years, and they keep committing these big contracts to the to these deals. I think they're in a situation where they don't want to have to pay the ACC as a 14-team network the money they're paying the ACC. What I think ESPN wants to be able to do is break up the ACC and then take like four to six of those teams and then absorb them in the SEC, and then they just keep paying the SEC. That's going to save them money at the, at the end of the day, and I think that's ultimately what they want to do. So if the ACC really wants to fight this and they, and they start to sue these schools, there's going to come a discovery period and I'm very curious what some of these phone records show and these meetings and different things show when it comes to who's been involved in trying to get these ACC teams out of their contract. And so, because who can give you some loopholes? It's the team on the, it's the people on the other side of that contract that also want to be out. It's not just the AC, some of the, some of the ACC teams that want to be out of that contract. It's ESPN, I think, wants out of that contract as well. Now, the question would be, you know, can, can they mandate it? You know, is there interest in renegotiating? So that would be something that I'd find interesting is if, if ESPN did want to just keep the entire ACC, they could always renegotiate the contract instead of risking losing certain teams, but they don't bother ESPN because if those teams leave the ACC, where are they going to go? They're going to go to the SEC. Well, ESPN already has the SEC. They just would have to pay less teams. So I, I think this could get really ugly. If the ACC wants to fight, it could get really ugly. 
so I, it, it, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. And, and I'm very curious to see how some of these state schools that are in the same state, you know, cause Miami's a private school, but you know, how do these schools in the Carolina school system, how do they handle, are they all on board? It's going to get very interesting, but I think it could get really ugly if the, if the, if the ACC wants to fight this, it could get really interesting and potentially really ugly. But I think there's a, certainly an attempt. I don't think that that Florida State necessarily wants out of the ACC just because the ACC schools want to get out of that really bad TV deal. And it's only a bad deal now because of the crazy money being thrown at these other schools. I just don't think that's sustainable. And that's why I think ESPN wants to get out of some of these other deals is because they know they can't afford to pay all these conferences what they used to pay them. And, um, and it's going to get really interesting. Then here's another question from Domer guy 88. I want to get down to this as we get close to wrapping this up. Domer guy 88 says, is the admin still not accepting undergrad transfers? There has never been a time when the administration was unwilling to accept undergrad transfers. Notre Dame has had undergrad transfers. Alohi Gilman, was an undergrad transfer. For example, he transferred from Navy. The issue is some of the players and some of the students who, and the, and the women's basketball team, I believe, has landed a couple uh, non-graduate transfers, I believe. Most of them have been graduates, but I believe they've gotten a couple that were not graduates. And Notre Dame has gotten a couple guys. Brandon Joseph was not a graduate of Northwestern, for example. But looking at it, it's harder for them to get undergrad transfers, Domer guy, because the different schools, uh, when I mean schools, I mean, you know, the business school, the law school, the different schools, they kind of set their own syllabus, their own standards for what they're going to teach and what they're going to accept. And the way that it is at a lot of the schools is the kid wants to transfer in, they'll look at his transcript and unless the syllabus is almost identical to the Notre Dame syllabus, they just don't accept the class as towards the major. All the, all the classes will be accepted, but most of them get turned to electives. That's my understanding. And so most of them don't get accepted as, as major. So then what happens is, is okay, you can come, but it's going to take you three more years to graduate, even though you've been in college for three years already, because most of your stuff doesn't count towards your major. Well, they're not going to do that with athletes because the odds of athletes staying that long are, are slim. And they're not going to do that with most students either, unless the student has expressed desire to say, hey, I don't care if it's going to take me that long. I, I want to do that. And so that's what makes it harder for football players uh, and for athletes to do that. And so um, undergrads has never been an issue. They'll take undergrads. It's just a lot harder to get an undergrad. And now I, I am under the impression that Notre Dame is trying to uh, uh, change this. It just, it's not something where the admissions department can change it. They can't change it. The president can't change it. The AD can't change it. It requires a lot of work. And my understanding is that there are some on campus that are willing to work with them. Uh, just how far that's going to go, we'll find out. But I do think that we'll see Notre Dame be a little bit of a bigger player for undergrad transfers and future portal classes. It's never going to be the primary objective of the staff to get undergrads but they'll be more open to those guys in the future from what i understand we'll see if that plays out that way but um, um that's that's kind of where we're at all right so that's going to do it for today's show everybody good questions a lot of a lot of good discussion um lot lot that's just just not but we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff here as we get down the road but anyway we're going to be back tomorrow so tomorrow we are going to 
Um, we're going to talk the transfer class tomorrow. That's going to be our topic of conversation tomorrow. Obviously, you got Antonio Carter. We'll dive a little bit more into that. We're going to talk about how this transfer class is going to impact Notre Dame. What does this transfer class say about Notre Dame and its willingness to embrace the portal a little bit more or not? Uh, we'll talk about just sort of how they impact other positions. There's going to be a lot of stuff tomorrow. So we're going to have a lot of transfer talk tomorrow and uh, just you know, kind of share some of our things of what we think Notre Dame needs to be able and willing to do. How should they embrace the portal? Are they doing it the right way? Should they do it differently? All that kind of stuff we'll talk about tomorrow. So you definitely don't want to miss that. And of course, folks, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you've not done so already uh, and you're listening via podcast platform, please do us a favor and, and leave us a five-star review. Also, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Folks, it's $4.99 a month and $49.99 for a year. There's tons of film breakdowns we're going to start doing. I've already done three of them on Sam Hartman. We've got more coming down the pike. We got, we're going to start doing our film rooms a little dif- differently. We've got Intel, always got Intel on there. Great conversation on the board. You're definitely going to want to be a part of our message board. If you haven't signed up for it, do so. Plus, it's a great way for you to, to support us. People say, well, you know, I can't keep giving Super Chats. You only got to do $4.99 once a month to help us out or a $49.99 for once a year to help us out. So some of y'all give $49.99s in a Super Chat. That's great. We appreciate that. We love that. But you can also do that once and sign up for an annual membership at Irish Breakdown. Uh, at, at excuse me at boards at irishbreakdown.com if you want to support us beyond that and we have the ability to do that you can also join one of our booster clubs we have the the uh the shamrock the blue and the gold the first two the the shamrock and they're different levels of support the first two the the um, blue and the sham or the blue and the shamrock if you if you sign up for one of those you'll also get a free ib club mug uh, free of charge. It'll come from us. I pay the shipping. I pay the handling. I pay for all of it. It's just a thank you for your support of our breakdown. If you join the gold club, which is the highest tier, if you join the gold booster club, then you also get the mug. Plus you get a free IB club t-shirt. There are five different color options. It's up to you, whatever size that you want and get that to you as well. And it's just a big thank you to, from us to you for your support of Irish breakdown. So you can do that as well. And you can find that all at boards at irishbreakdown.com. We'll talk to you again very soon, folks. Thanks for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. 
The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.